welcome to the Finding Joy podcast. Here on the podcast, we hear stories from women who are living out their faith-filled adventures. We cover all things dreams, home life, work life, and faith. And my hope is that these conversations encourage you to live your own life to the full. I'm your host, Jordan. I'm a graphic designer and founder of Honey and Gold, designing products that encourage you to have more of God's Word in your heart and your home. Sometimes life is awesome, sometimes it's not, but we can still find joy in the midst of it all. Today we talk with Justine Flynn from Thank You Co. Justine and her husband Daniel are co-founders of a social enterprise working to eradicate poverty through consumer products. You've probably used their hand sanitizer a few times in the past 18 months. You'll have to excuse the sound of rain you can hear in this episode. It started just before we hit record. But this was such an encouraging and a behind-the-brand conversation with Justine and how entrepreneurial burnout in particular has affected her these past few years. We also hear about a big vision they had when COVID hit and things on the business front were not looking great. I love Justine's analogy of a rip in the ocean and, well, you'll have to hear it, but it has stayed with me long after our chat. I think you'll be encouraged by Justine's story today and how she didn't let anyone or anything steal her joy even when her very identity was stripped away. Today, I'm finding joy with Justine from Thank You. Here's our conversation. Today on the show, we've got Justine Flynn from Thank You. Justine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Such a joy to have you. I've been following you for quite a while, um, you and your husband's story, and um, just on Instagram, as we still, as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those of you who don't know you, don't know the Thank You uh, brand um, and mission, would you just maybe introduce yourself, who's in your family and where you live and things like that? Yes. Yeah, so who's in my family? There is my husband, Daniel Flynn, who amazing, amazing man. Um, and then we've got Jedediah. He is six years old, just started prep this year. Uh, in, in the week he turned six, uh, we had a six-month-year-old, um, Jordan Seeler, uh, and she is doing well um, and she's just, you know, growing teeth and learning to crawl and all those really all fun things. All so, the fun babies and beautiful name we had to, have to say. Yes, yeah. it is a good name. It's a good, Very solid good name. name. She'll go places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we started, thank you, Daniel and I, actually when we were dating. So we started dating and started a business all at the same time, which is, is definitely a wild ride, but also beautiful at the same time. Um, uh, we started Thank You, I think, for the purpose of like I, I, we'd seen that in this world there's two extremes. You know, we've got extreme consumerism on one side and then on the other side we've got extreme poverty. And it was this realisation of going, well, surely is there a way we can make this extreme like we can bridge the gap between the two uh and so we started off and this was in 2008 um selling a bottle of water and that existed entirely for ending extreme poverty um so it's set up in its own by our charitable trust um so all the profits go um and we started it really as like uh, uni students really not knowing what we were doing, what we were going into. How, how can you even start a bottle water company? Is that even a thing? And, you know, nowadays you see a lot of startups and entrepreneurism is very, you know, common. But back then we didn't know it was something you can just go and do. Um, so we, you know, just got out Google and went out for it to explore to see is this something that um, we could start and learnt a lot along the way. Um, for me, 
I think it really came for me, um, goes back to when I was 14, um, or actually probably even younger at 12. Uh, I had a teacher that would, um, visit developing countries and then she would share her experiences and really opened, even though I was living in far North Queensland and quite isolated from the rest of the world in a sense, uh, hearing her share about the world really enlarged my worldview and it, it created a passion in me to go, okay, uh, I want to experience this and I want to experience, you know, the world. And so at 14, I went to Indonesia. And on my own, I raised all the money myself. My parents really encouraged me to do it myself. And I'm so grateful that they did that. Um, I got so much out of that trip. But I think the biggest thing for me was to see, I guess I saw privilege at that age. Like I was able to realize, whoa, like I'm in a environment where I can have an education. I can um, dream about what I want to do when I grow up. Um, I saw the differences um, between um, you know, a village living without water and a village living with water and even the difference that that made. And as a 14-year-old seeing that and going, okay, what can we do about this? Um, obviously, I needed to grow up a little bit, actually. I had, yeah. So that trip, did Daniel go on something like that as well? Did you both have come together with no. those experiences? We came together, but in different ways. For him, it was actually just looking on, on YouTube. Um, he was yeah. just doing some research and he actually saw a story of a, a, a young boy, I think it was, who had gone and spent his entire day collecting water, yet the water he collected ended up, um, was contaminated and ended up killing his, uh, I think, sisters at the time. And Daniel is very close with his sisters. And I think it just really hit home to him, you know, that reality. I've been to Uganda. My husband and I have lived in Africa before for a little, for a short time. And I think those experiences, they just, one, they open your own eyes, but they do make you realise too that you're not the saviour of the world. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not, Mm -hmm. you go, oh, these people are real. They don't need me to save them, but they need maybe my resources or my opportunities or my money. And so you do realise that, man, you're just a drop in the ocean. You're going there and you think you're going to, you know. (laughs) Shake it all up. Yeah, and that's the thing. That, that was me at fourteen. I went there thinking that, and I came back realizing, oh no, they actually um, taught me so much more than I could have ever taught them in that's that it. trip. Um, and I realized that at, at, as a fourteen-year-old in that moment, um, and and that was that was confronting, but also special at the same time. Um, another trip we went on. This is years later. Once we'd started, thank you, and and that I, I went on a trip, and I. Um, just gone to the bathroom in one of these villages and as I came out I was met by this this young girl who um she helped show me where to wash my hands and that sort of thing and uh then she grabbed me she wanted to show me her room and and her things and then she she grabbed she could actually speak a little bit of English um that she she had learned and she said um Justine you are my sister and then she got a piece of paper and she just tore like a little corner out of her book uh, and wrote, Justine, you are my sister and gave it to me. And I remember taking this away and just being so overwhelmed at this thought, you know, like uh, we actually live in a global village. And so many times we can think of, you know, um, you know, are we looking after people in our own backyard? And that is really important that we do that. Um, But at the same time, if my sister, my actual, you know, blood related sister was living in these environments, what I would be doing and how I'd be living my life um, to make sure that, um, you know, we're, we're living in a way that we can 
all help lift each other out of poverty. And that's something that I think we've become really passionate about. How can we, um, you know, live our day-to-day life to be able to help empower the lives of others around us? So when you you started Thank You with someone else also, um, and I know, like, I remember some of your bigger campaigns, you know, like you started, you said you started with water and now, you know, you went into like baby products and body products and do you call them body products or beauty products? Yeah, personal um, care. Yeah, yep. personal care, beautiful, which I mm-hmm. love, by the way, your sanitizer, hand sanitizer, big shout out. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I had it before mm-hmm. lockdown, by the way. I used to keep a bottle in my bag all the time. So I remember some of your big campaigns and you're really like grassroots and you just went, you go getters. Like, where does that sort of come from? Is that just in your nature? So going back to the challenges that we had at the time. So for us, we were um, trying to get into Coles and Woolworths for quite some time. Um, And I think the thing that was against us was um, we didn't have um, any data to prove that our product will sell. The other thing is that we didn't have um, people to say, yep, um, we we want to um, buy this. And then the other thing was we didn't have any money to be able to spend on big marketing campaigns. The campaign video itself, I was actually quite involved in that. Um, so that was also something that we had no budget for. And so it was just basically trying to use our resources the best we can. I remember going into a, um, a bathroom shop of all places and being like, Hey, do you think we could borrow a bathtub? <laughs> and we literally borrowed a bathtub. I also spent the long weekend with, um, you know, one of our designers, um, just drawing ourselves on butcher's paper, um, lines to make one of the scenes. And we we're just trying to be as resourceful as we so could. And I think that was the thing. Like we'd never go, we'd never start with a budget and have a look at it and say, what could we do? We'd actually start with dreaming first and say, what yeah. can we do? And then we'd work out how we do it. Uh, and it was amazing when you do that and you take the limits off. Um, the ideas that can come, you know, and even with um, during that campaign as well for Coles and Woolworths, um, where we we went out and people were saying you can't put the two biggest supermarkets together, but we did. We dreamed these things before. If we had gone, oh no, we don't have budget for that. Yeah, um, we then figured out how we could get budget for it afterwards. You can always there could be taking risks. Um, is just that there could be risks. You know, we do say at the end of our videos, what if this doesn't work? Mm. Um, but we like to put the question on, well, what if it does? Yeah. Um, and I guess unless you take that risk, you'll never know whether it will or not. So it yeah. is important to always just step out and um, dare to make some bold moves sometimes for, for the sake of what if it does. Um, because what has happened as a result for us is that we've gone on to seeing you know, millions of people's lives impacted um, through these different campaigns that we've made and through the different partnerships that have come on board. It's been amazing. I love that you, what you said about creativity. I think when you actually don't have as many resources, I think it actually forces you to be way more creative. I see you guys growing from strength to strength. Um, what do you think has been that? Do you think it is the people gathering around knowing that there's a mission behind it? What do you think has sort of been behind your growth and where does that company look today versus where it was, you know, like Coles and Woolies days? 
look, I've always seen thank you as like like a baby. Like I've tried to, um, you know, imagine it like a child and we've kind of gone through that toddler stage. You've gone through that, you know, um, you know, going to school stage or you kind of have to take your hands off just a little bit, but you're still very involved. Uh, and right now I feel like we're kind of going through that teenage puberty stage, right? Like um, there is transition, but I feel like there is transition across you know that is the the topic of conversation at the Absolutely. moment everywhere we, as a as a society we're going through transition um because things were not the way they were unfortunately sure. 18 months ago the model that we have is needing a uh, a change up in order to um, continue to grow and to scale. Uh, so we actually started a campaign last year called No Small Plan, and we actually went out and we said um, we actually petitioned for um, one of the multinationals to take on our personal care range so that we can continue to grow. Thank you. It seemed like a D- David and Goliath battle, but we're like, are they the the Goliath though or is the system the Goliath yeah right you know and if we were to stand with them and change this system together the impact that we can make um would be phenomenal so we put that forward last year and we joke that it should have been called no short plan because it's (laughs) been quite a journey um, behind the scenes navigating everything and then layering the complexity of that everybody's going through a pandemic at the same time We actually had a situation go down last year where it was probably the beginning of January, really early on in the journey uh, in in January, where we found out we had a pricing error that had been made. And what that actually meant was um, our entire year's profit was going to get wiped and we were going to go for the first time ever in Thank You History in over 12 years, um, we were going to go into a negative. And as team we were like well that, that's not something that we can do it's not who we are like we you know um really stand on this fact that we exist all for ending extreme poverty and so we need to be able to have something to give like even in our startup years uh in the first few years daniel and i went um voluntarily so that we could at least have something to give even mm. if it was that first year it was seven grand I remember there was this, and this was before COVID hit again, we didn't even know what that was. Um, We had gathered our leadership team to our house to, after we had gone through all these changes, to relook at the strategy and what we could do for this year. And I, and I had this idea, I was like, guys, like, can we, can we still believe, can we still believe that we're going to hit a big number? Like, I know it sounds absolutely crazy, Mm. but let's, let's believe for $800,000 profit. Wow. And I remember seeing our um, head of finance eyebrows just raise and she looks over at Daniel like, does she know much about finance? <laughs> does she know where we're really at? Does she you read know? the spreadsheet? We went there as a team and we really united in that and gone, okay, it makes no logical sense that in a couple of months we can make over a year's profit. Yeah. Um, makes makes no sense. But um, then a few months later, COVID hit, actually a few weeks later, COVID hit and um, that actually got worse for us because you'd think being in sanitizer and hand wash it would be good for us but actually worse because the supply chain world turned upside down Um, and it was incredibly hard for us to get componentry um, because things were stuck in different places. It was so frustrating and it was discouraging. But one of the things that I love was just how our team band together yeah. in unity. Like it, no one really had much time to look down and be discouraged because everyone was sort of lifting each other's heads and encouraging each other along the way mm. and really looking for solutions in the journey as well. And then one of the guys in our team, Kirk, he's our relationship manager. Um, 
or was, I think his role has just changed recently, um, but he um, had a factory that he was working with uh, in America who were working with amenities and they had reached out and said, look, obviously because hotels are closed at the moment and everything, we've got some free line to run sanitizers for you if you want. And so literally within our head of sales, then obviously was on the phone to Coles Woolworths, Chemist Warehouse, everyone, and we were able to within overnight make like $3 million profit. Wow. Um, through these deals. And so we're running around the house screaming, very excited. <laughs> you know, we're all in lockdowns and within a few hours we've made back this profit. So amazing. Um, but then I think what really caught us off guard was a few weeks later, or probably would have even been days later, we get another call to say we had um, literally two hours to put in for a tender for a government deal. Um, we managed to hustle as a team and put wow. these um, products forward. Um, and within four hours of putting in that tender, we got a phone call to say that it had gone through. Um, Daniel and I were very much like, Hey, we weren't running around screaming at this point. We were like, it seems too good to be true. When we see the purchase order, then we'll believe it. Um, and there was a lot of hurdles to hit, to see this deal come, you know, to fruition. And, um, all those hurdles, um, were, we were able to get through and we were able to navigate. Um, and we were able to end the financial year. It, the deal ended up coming through and we ended the financial year on the books with around $8 million profit. So like, wow, <laughs> wow, like way more than your goal. How amazing is that? It was like an extra zero on the end. Yes. And it was our whole team. It was just one of these pinch yourself surreal kind of moments I remember we all gathered on zoom because that's all that we could do at the time and everyone was just speechless and emotional and overwhelmed and just in awe um, of where we where we landed and then we ended up in September being able to give 10 million dollars because more of the money had come through in the next year and we gave 10 million dollars and that was something that I think like looking back over the journey of thank you of all the knockbacks and all of the you know um different challenges that we'd face to see perhaps this is the reason if, if, if it was even it was meant to be for this moment in a time where philanthropy has eased in corporate giving has eased in government aid has eased up but yet it's the time where charities are needing it the most where people are on the ground needing it the most yeah we were able to step forward we had you know, what the world needed in our hand, we were able to step forward and be able to give the most that we've ever been able to in our history Yeah, uh, right in the middle of this pandemic. So it was um, quite a surreal moment for us. How much of your own faith, you and Daniel, do you bring into your business? Like how much do you, you know, like do you, like that sort of goal and you go, that's pretty audacious kind of goal to say in front of a staff meeting and I can imagine if there's not that faith element you're kind of like where the heck is she coming from do you know what I mean (laughs) how much of that do you bring in to your staff and I'm assuming they're not all Christian maybe they are I don't know Mm -hmm. but speak to that for a little bit yeah sure look um Daniel and I are both Christian and yes we do have Christian stuff but not entirely like it's um you know for everyone but we did we do we are very driven by faith in a lot of ways um entirely like this moment could have been nothing but like it was definitely a god stretch and a god faith absolutely um i I had i was inspired for i was actually inspired for believing for that number um i don't know if you've seen the chosen have you seen the chosen some of it yeah i haven't finished the season but yes yeah 
the fourth episode in the first season, there's a story in there of Peter out on his boat, the disciple Peter out on his boat, and he's trying his whole night to catch some fish. And it really just, the way they've illustrated a biblical story by showing the desperation and how much he really needed this miracle to happen in his life really hit home to me. It really hit home to go, hey, I really understand. Like right now we're in a place of desperation and we're really needing nothing short of a miracle right now. Um, So I actually showed that to some of our team and I said, guys, can we? Can we believe for that? Because what happened in the end of that story, right, was just being able to see with our own eyes, you know, the way they illustrated that with the fish overpouring in the boats, um, overflowing, and then the other boats and everybody yelling and screaming with excitement and and energy helped me have faith to see. And I know that was just an illustration that was done, but it helped me get to be able to visualize what it must be like. We said, let's say to believe for that to happen for us. And I, I think that was an inspiration that was behind this believing for um, this crazy audacious number of 800,000 yes. because that's so big. And I think one of the things that we've learned, well, I've definitely learned on the journey and in my walk and faith with God is that we can have big dreams, but it can't be, you know, God can go far and exceedingly above and beyond all we dare ask or dream of or imagine. And this was exactly one of those case in points, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was like saying, oh, you think 800,000 is big, right? Like, yes. let me just put a zero on the end that's of that. Exactly- the Finding Joy podcast is brought to you by Honey and Gold, wall art, stationery and gifts beautifully designed to encourage you to have more of God's word in your heart and home. Head to honeyandgold.com.au and use the code FINDINGJOY for 10% off your order. Honey and Gold is designed for the days you need to be reminded of God's truth. Now it's back to the conversation. I want to shift gears a little bit and we want to, I'd love to talk to you about, I know you took a few years ago, you took some time out. Um, I know you've been fairly public about that, um, mm. a season of burnout and things like that. Um, can you take us back to that time and what was the reasoning? I guess what was you, what was life like that at that point that made you take such a drastic step back from thank you? Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that will keep persevering and pressing on in things. And and I think I was doing that probably too much at my own detriment of my body. I think as I was doing it, I wasn't listening to all the warning signs that were going on in my body, all the alarm signals and wasn't, yeah. And it got to a point probably where my body crashed and my body then had to start calling the shots, unfortunately. Um, I I remember going to a doctor and they said, um, you need to take three months off, um, preferably with someone looking after your baby. And I remember at that time being like, whoa, three months off the business. I'm about to, I was running the um, New Zealand launch campaign and it was due in three months time. (laughs) So I was like, I can't take three months off, especially now. There's no way I can do that. but as I started to um, press on, my body just completely started to shut down. I was um, I was getting blurry vision. My memory loss was absolutely crazy. I couldn't remember a conversation I'd had that morning um, with someone. Um, I was yeah yeah dizzy and blurry. I'd have you know big migraines, um, and then just feeling completely fatigued. But I think. There's one thing, there's tiredness, but this was a whole new level on that. You know, like this was a, I couldn't really move to that point. Um, So by the time I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to focus on long-term here, not short-term, and I'm going to take some time out to 
you know, I, I think I had to really look at three months and go, it seems like it's really big, but in the light of my life, yes. uh, if I really can invest well into, um, you know, giving back um, t- to the healing journey in this yeah. time, um, we're gonna, I'm hopefully going to set myself up well for the long haul here. So I remember taking that time off and my body just crashed so hard. I remember I was bedridden for four months. I wasn't able to get up out of my bed pretty much at all. Like I, I remember we had a beach, the place that we were house sitting in New Zealand at the time, um, had a beach just down the road. I wasn't even able to walk to the end of the driveway. So, um, there was no nice strolls on the beach for me for a while. It was just literally just in bed till my body was able to recharge. Um, and then there was a complete rebuild journey. Um, during that journey, I remember looking at Daniel and being like, I feel like mush. Like, I feel like I'm complete mush. And I was reminded of like the journey that a butterfly goes through, <laughs> you know, like it, it really, the caterpillar, it kind of goes into the cocoon and then comes completely undone. And for me, it was an undoing journey in this season and one that I'm actually so grateful for. Um, because while we don't love process at all, I think sometimes you've got to go through process in order to get through the other side. And then it was that breaking through the cocoon um, before I was flying again uh, kind of journey for me. So, And do you feel like you've come out different? Like as in a caterpillar, like, do you know what I mean? Like what has changed yeah. in that, you know, while you're in there and you're in that place and, um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of brokenness and pain and just stillness. How do you come out yeah. the other side of that? And yeah. what do you look like? How do you look different? Well, for me, it really was an identity change because I guess I had all of my titles stripped away. I had, um, you know, Justine, director of Thank You, co-founder Thank You, brand director, all those titles were all gone. And even my titles as like mum and, you know, well, I was still obviously a mum, but, you know, and wife, like I wasn't able to be there for you know my family in the capacity that I could you know and that was incredibly it was probably one of the hardest parts for me to be honest like you know I could hear Jed in the room next to me but I wasn't able to be there to support him and that was I'm getting emotional just remembering this that was probably one of the hardest parts you know um Mm -hmm. and I remember saying to Casey who was looking after Jed at the time in that season how hard it was and she was like this is just a season Mm -hmm. you know remember it's just this really short season if we can get you strong you'll be there for the long haul and that really helped me get through it but it was also realizing it was this big identity shift for me in who I am as Justine before all of the titles and definitely now a lot more present, um, yeah. a lot more. Uh, I've definitely not the same fast pace that I was before. Sure. Uh, I def- Beforehand I was probably running from meeting to meeting, running off adrenaline, like I literally didn't have a chance between meetings to even process what just happened in the meeting beforehand. And I'd do that for an entire day, go home and then work hours at night after the kids were in bed or Jed was in bed. So, um yeah, I think now my pace um, creates a lot more space for um, for stillness and being present and reflecting. There is a Bible verse, you know, out of um, your heart flow the issues of life, you know. And so, um, you know, doing a lot of work internally is not always easy. Sometimes it's incredibly messy and hard. That's so. brave. Yeah, that's really brave, Justine. And how amazing to have people around you that can step in and I can't imagine I would be the same as you. That control factor would be massive for me yeah. to actually go, you look after my child. I cannot even do that. Um, so to have people around you who've been able to do that, what a blessing in your life. 
what have you kept in your life from that season of, I guess, rest and that, well, you forced rest really, isn't it? Um, What have you, like you said, you've kept a couple of things, you don't mind going deep, but what are some Mm. things that you've kept as rhythms or routines in your life um, to this Mm. day? I think one of the, I mean, we've just had a newborn baby this year. So that's also changed our world upside down and being in that newborn bubble and that first year is, is pretty hectic. Mm. (laughs) And so it's really hard to find those moments. Um, of you know stillness or you know dare I say me time that yeah. that word um but we've we've made sure we've kept that and Daniel's been incredibly supportive in that as well making sure we've you know got those moments of um being able to refresh and refuel and make sure our tanks are full mm-hmm. um that we've got enough um you know I, I did this exercise once where it's sort of like you, you write down all of your the things that drain you and they could be even little things but right. you also write down the things that fill you and you make sure you've got that e- equal balance because you still have to do sometimes those things that drain you sometimes Absolutely. yes um but you've got to make sure you've got enough of those tank fillers that you're doing in order to keep refreshed yes. um so that was a big thing another one for us too was um you know, Daniel took this on too, was um, what is your 5%? And it was this realisation that um, I saw this, we read this thing in this book once, it said um, 80% of what you do, someone else can do. 15% of what you do, someone who's trained and mentored can do. But only 5% only you can do. Wow. And as we, as we, um, as I was reading this, I remember pausing and writing down my 5%. And this was pre-burnout that I wrote this yeah. <laughs> and I started writing what my 5% was and I wrote all my like what is my 5% and thank you as like marketing and branding and you know writing down my 5% in that and then I continued to read on and I was incredibly confronted because he wrote what his 5% was and he wrote number one his relationship with God yeah, wow. number two uh, his relationship with his wife Number three, his relationship with his kids. Then I think he had his health. And then the last one was vision um, and, and dreaming for his his organisation. And it was like incredibly confronting for me to go, whoa, I just went straight to the work. I just went straight to the task. I guess it's priority setting as yes, well, yes. you know, like at the end of the day and even with health, right, like you can't outsource that. You no. can't make someone no. go for a run for you. You know, that's you are responsible that's for that. Um, and, you know, well, yeah. I did mention I had a season there Well, you know, someone was helping look after Jed at the end of the day. Uh, I'm the only one that's able to impart into his life the same way I can as a mother. And so, um, you know, it's it was re-looking at structure and setup and, you know, how I schedule my day and things like that to really incorporate rest and not rush rest. Yeah. So I think that was the other yes. thing too is I think as someone who's quite a go-getter um, and, you know, likes to see quick change, um, rest is yeah. something you can't actually force and you can't force the um, results of it. No. Um, or put it in the calendar, so, today I'm going to rest. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Oh, no, yeah. no, you can't. <laughs> And put rest in the calendar, but at the same time, if you're recovering from something, yes. um, you don't know how long that time is going to take. And I think that was one of the hardest things for me in recovery journeys is is being able to lean in to it mm. as well and yeah. going, okay, this is something that's out of my control right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had in at the end of 2019, and I'm grateful that I learned this before stepping into. Mm-hmm. 
uh, COVID. 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, 2020. Yeah. Um, was this, I had, I was going through quite a lot of change and there was a bit of uncertainty and there was some change that was going on that was, um, for me, that was incredibly out of my control. And I remember sitting there trying to process it. I remember staring at a wall being like, this is, how can I escape from this? How can I get out of it? And I had this thought and it was, I, it just sort of dropped in my heart, this thought of what do you do when you're caught in a rip? And you would probably know this being in yes. Queensland, yeah, right. I, I grew up in Queensland, so I know yep. what to do when you're caught in a rip. But still, I went to the I went to the website to try and have a look at what the formal yeah. words were. Yeah, and you know, I knew you meant to lean back and float, and you put your hand up. But what I saw on the website was really big for me. It said the number one cause of drowning is actually not the rip itself. The number one cause of drowning um, is panic from not knowing what's happening. Mm. Uh, and secondly is um, trying to swim against it, so exhaustion from trying yes. to swim against it. Absolutely. And I think there's definitely sometimes, and we've definitely learned this with COVID coming in 2020, yeah. is sometimes there are things that happen in our life that are actually far out of our control and we can try and swim against it, but we can actually become exhausted from trying to swim against it uh, yeah. and trying to push against it. Uh, and that exhaustion can be what drowns us in the end. Or there's the panic and the anxiety from not knowing what's happening um, and uh, or where you're going or where you're going to end up. Um, as I was sharing this with my brother-in-law, he said, I've actually just started surfing and we actually look for the rips to actually because they get us to the back of a wave wow and I think once you realize that the rip is actually not going to take you out to sea like it feels like you're going to get sucked out into nowhere um they actually take you to the back of a wave when you realize that that sometimes the hard things that we're going through they're not going to actually pull us under they're not going to take us out to absolute nowhere and leave us there they're actually going to take us to the back of a wave I think that's exciting sometimes to know that you can get to the back of the wave and then ride that baby back in, you know. So good. And That's such an encouraging word, Justine. I love that picture because you're right. We do struggle against anything. Well, I'm like you where you just like you go, 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 and you struggle against anything that's painful or uncomfortable or yucky or sad or whatever, and you fight mm-hmm. that. But actually if you lean into it, um, there is actually joy on the other side, which is the whole point of this podcast. You know what I mean? Like it is that whole thing of just if we go with it, we become better. And you're right, there might be something just even better on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's an amazing picture. Oh, I'm so encouraged. <laughs> Thank you. That's cool. It's definitely helped me even through 2022. Just lean back and float sometimes. Yes. And there are times you do need to, you know, push forward. Um, sure. So it's just going to be able to know, is this a moment I swim or is this a moment I float? Yes. You know? Um, and to be able to know the difference between the two. Such a good question. Yeah. So good. So what does on the other side of that uh, that burnout and that season, and I know you've just had, like you said, you've got a baby and yeah. um, life has to be different. Again, I know that wasn't an easy pregnancy. What does life look like now? And we'll speak into that pregnancy or what does, how do you, how do you work in work with what's going on in your life at that moment? Yeah, I look, I took a bit of a longer maternity leave and I did that because I actually, like you mentioned, I did have a rough maternity um, pregnancy. 
Yeah. I was actually wheelchair bound towards the last month of it. And then I was in crutches for a few months before that. Um, and that was another lean in moment. Yeah. <laughs> I did try to swim against that one for a little bit. Um, and my idea of swimming was, okay, just go to physio, do exercises. But unfortunately I went to the physio and she said, no, this is um, a situation you need to treat it like a, a sprained ankle and you need to rest and you need to ice. And um was incredibly hard and then I thought afterwards after the birth that it would be um quite uh what's the word uh like two weeks and I'll be fine yeah. um unfortunately I then ended up um tearing some tendons as well because of weight bearing too quickly afterwards so I ended up um only I think it would be my physio said basically walking is the worst thing that you can do. Oh, so wow. do do swimming, which was which was great for a season. I actually had a pool and was able to do a bit of swimming, but that was my only form of movement, which was incredibly hard as well um, yeah. to navigate with a baby as well. Um, my son had just started prep. That was hard too. I wasn't yeah. able to do a tour of his new school. Um, so there was a lot of, um, you know, nuances like that, but I had to just lean in and go, Hey, what are the things that I can do in this season? What are the things I can do? I can enjoy my baby girl. I can enjoy this season. I'm going to soak in her as much as I can. Uh, and I'm going to make sure I rest and re- refresh because once I get going again, I know I'm going to be running and flying. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, just looking at it from there in that perspective um, yeah. and I think, you know, going through that burnout season, I feel like I have gotten good at the the lean in. Yes, yes. <laughs> and being okay to to lean in. And listen uh, to your body a bit more probably. Are you a bit yeah. more tuned to that, do you feel? Yeah, very much so. And now like on the other side, I feel like even though it was only really a few months ago, um, I actually feel like it was a lifetime ago now, you know, yeah. like and um, so, you know, now, you know, just a couple of days ago, I climbed a massive sand dune, like it was huge. Yes. Uh, and I'm climbing it going, yeah, like I'm doing this without pain. And I pulled up the next day without pain. And I'm like, so this good. is amazing that like, we've come so far. So, you know, once, once that clicks and once you through the other side, you experience the joy in the mundane moments as well, you know, and Absolutely. you have so much gratitude in that too. So yeah. Do you see your um, faith have grown in that time? Do you think your faith in Jesus has grown? Do you think that's been hard to see God in it all or do you see a lot of growth in that area? I I think that during the hard times you've got a choice um, how to, where to go and uh, you can go to a point where you put up walls uh, in your faith or you can dig deep. And I think for me it was a, a season of deciding to dig deep um, and I think because I've known it, especially have having, you know, uh, a faith during my, you know, primary school years as well, I had gone through some stuff and I learned that by going deep, you build wells that you can then draw on, you know, in years down the track. And so I had that moment of going like it might feel like this is wasted time, but I'm actually going to dig deep and I can you know, build wells that I can draw on from years to come. And hopefully even my children can draw on as well through that too. And so, um, yeah, I guess my relationship has strengthened and, you know, um, yeah, I'm grateful for this season to be able to go deep. Yeah, so amazing. So true, hey, the wells that we can draw on. So what is new for you? What does the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022 look like for Justine and Daniel as you, you know, like, business or personal life what is what's on the horizon yeah I mean 
it, it is, like I said before, it's a season of transitions. We're still, you know, navigating that and what that looks like. Um, we have, you know, we moved to Queensland last year to be closer to my family, which was really good timing, uh, I think, in a lot of aspects. But oh, for me, it was about being closer um, for um, my daughter to be closer to my mum in the season two and dad. Um, but um, for us, you know, we're, we're looking at this, how we can continue a rhythm um, that is sustainable for us um, in, in many different ways. So um, that work-life balance, you know, that cliche thing that oh, we hear, we have been trying to figure this balance out. And yeah. um, we really feel like we've gotten a good rhythm, to be honest, this year. So and good. next year, for me, now I know like naturally I have been not being able to walk much and so I'm actually just getting my rhythm back up again. And so I'm picking that back up again from a work perspective as well. So, um, you know, so looking cool. at what that looks like next year, I'm already quite involved still within our board, um, on our charitable trust and our board. Um, but, yeah, looking at what that would look like for next year, um, we're still navigating through. So, again. so yeah. So even though you took time off, you you see the company still survives, doesn't it? Like yeah, we think we're so right. indispensable and sadly none of us are. But <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what were you going to say, Justine? Um, I think the season as well for me has been like I think when you have moments out, you actually create space to dream as well. And so for me it's been a rebirthing of dreams from, you know, years ago and things like that. So um, we, we watch this space kind of moment as we look at yeah. how that unfolds for next year. So, so exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. I love new dreams and big dreams and being, yes. yeah, reignited. Yeah. That's awesome. So where can people follow you, Justine, and find out more if they're interested in thank you or want to follow your journey personally? Um, where can they find you? How funny. I don't even know my Instagram. Um, I'm literally looking it up now as you speak. I think it's Justine. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. If, if people search your name, I'm sure they'll find it. But Justine on Instagram. Yep. Uh, and thank you is thank you AUS. Yep. Um, on instagram sorry awesome. and then that's really the only social platform i'm on so um yep, <laughs> i'm not sure what agree. To lie that part of that <laughs> thank you.co is our is our website actually which has a lot of information there that people might be interested in how we give and yeah. uh, we've got we've we went through a big transition just before which was amazing timing as well when you think about it. Um, we Before all of the money came through, um, yeah. we actually went through a big transition on how we give. And so we speak to that a little bit on our website as well, which you can have a look at so there. So good. Yeah. That's awesome. Now we finish um, each episode uh, by asking you what is bringing you joy in your life right now, as superficial yeah. as you like, and anything you're reading, listening or watching that you want to share. Yeah, sure. What is bringing me joy right now? Look, it is seeing my daughter grow, seeing Jed flourish. Um, uh, they are bringing me so much joy. Seeing Dan in Queensland, being a Queenslander, so I'm loving that. Like he's literally mows the lawn, which he did not do when we were in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> is he born and bred in Melbourne? Is that his he was, he was, yeah. yeah. So I'm loving seeing him transition to Queensland, Daniel. So good. Um, it is great. Um, and I'm loving the beach. Like it is the yes. place that really, you know, I really come alive. So um, that is bringing me a lot of joy, being able to have lots of moments there. Um, um, what I'm reading at the moment, I'm actually talking about going deep. Yeah. I'm actually reading okay. emotionally healthy spirituality um it is a it is it is a deep book um by pete sicazo i think that's how we pronounce his surname yeah um 
And I've been going slowly in on that. Um, yeah. And the other one is every day in his presence. Charles oh. is a like here. a devotional yes Charles oh. Stanley oh, every day so it. it's like a um yeah a daily devotional um so when and that has been helpful for me where um I don't know when I've got free moments with a baby so um I can just grab that and have little bite size um yeah. you know devotions when I need to um uh but yeah so good so good Justine, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I've loved having a chat with you and hearing all about your journey and just your realness, your authenticity, um, and just dreaming big. And we're excited to see what's next. We'll have you on the podcast again and see where you, what 22 was like for you. So thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you did, why not take a screenshot and share on socials or with a friend? And we'd love it if you rated and reviewed the show so more people can hear and be encouraged. Don't forget to follow Honey and Gold on Instagram for the latest episodes and happenings. And we'll see you next time on the Finding Joy podcast. Thanks so much for listening.